meditation is one of those elusive, esoteric things that turn a lot of people off. So today I wanted to sit down with one of my meditation teachers to talk about this topic and how we make it more accessible to the everyday person. So stay tuned. Welcome back to the Sarah Kleiner Wellness YouTube channel. Thank you so much for being here. Today's episode is with my friend and teacher, Light Watkins. Now I've known Light for actually many years and he taught my husband how to meditate in person. So pretty cool connection there. And he just has a lot of really wonderful information. And this meditation technique has been very instrumental for me in managing my stress over the years and just finding those pockets of peace and quiet as I've dealt with just a lot in my life, having a special needs child, uh, pregnancy, new baby, and you know, a, a lot of things. And so I really love sharing this information with my audience. May, may not be one of my most popular viral episodes, but I'm hoping it reaches the right people and that it can be super helpful. So make sure you check out Light and his brand new book. I'm gonna make sure his book is linked down in the show notes for you so that you can check that out as well. And thank you to two sponsors of today's episode. The first one is going to be Viva Rays. They are my go-to source for protecting my circadian rhythms. They also have fantastic low EMF headphones and they've got a great sleep mask. If you can't control all the blue light getting into your bedroom, I highly recommend that. The second one is going to be upgraded formulas. You can use my code Yogi12 or Yogi if you've already used that one before. They are a fantastic way to check in on your mineral balance, see what's going on and test, right? They also have great magnesium supplements and other mineral supplements. My code there is Yogi12 or Yogi to save. So thank you again for tuning in to today's episode. I'm excited for you to watch it and I'll talk to you again soon. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I am super happy to have today's guest on. It, it's funny. I've known Light since, uh, I guess, 20, 2018, I think is the first time we met. I don't remember. I would have been before then, I, I imagine. I think I it was know. actually 2017. But yeah, we've... I've known him for a while and then uh, he's on a podcast tour right now. So this is how we're reconnecting and just so excited to have you here late. Thank you. I'm, I'm really thrilled to be on with you and to uh, have a part catch up, part interview conversation. Yeah. Um, you know, I got an email said, would you like to have Megan Markle's podcast or uh, Megan Markle's in a meditation teacher on your podcast? And I was like, well, actually, he's actually my husband's meditation teacher. Too. <laughs> That's right. That's he's right. Still, he's still meditating. I'm really proud of him. But you I think you taught my husband. I think you taught him in 2018, maybe. But yeah, yeah I think that would yeah. have been like right before the pandemic. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, so you're, cool you're, you are in. you? Aren't you teaching or something? Did Did you take a teacher training? I was so I was gonna take the teacher training, and then I just had this idea that I really wanted to get pregnant. <laughs> it was either learn teach meditation or get pregnant. Yeah, that's what I I was like. I'm either gonna get pregnant, and this like pregnancy thing is gonna take up all my time, or I'm gonna do this meditation teacher training and devote all my time to that, and so. I haven't taken it off of my possible things I want to do in the future, but that's kind of what ended up happening was that I just decided to go on this kind of journey to get pregnant. And uh, mm -hmm. 
that ended up taking longer than I thought it was going to take and a lot more emotion and time. So I'm glad I didn't jump down that rabbit hole, but it was when, when I did learn this technique and how to meditate, that was the first thing that came to mind is like, oh my gosh, I want to teach this to other people. It's helped me so much um, that I just wanted to teach it. But yeah, it's still, it's, it's still on the to-do list as a future, but <laughs> I've taken I know the detours. feeling very well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You've been cool. teaching for, for how many years now? Mm, I started in 2007 teaching full-time. So it would be like 15 plus years. Amazing. Yeah. 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 Living the dream over here. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's pretty cool to, to see how you've evolved. Even since I met you, you've kind of done this whole nomad thing and teaching all over the world. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's very cool to watch. Yeah. It's been, um, it's been quite the ride. And, you know, one of the things I talk about is, is that, uh, you're either by your choices, you're either choosing adventure or you're choosing drama. There is no neutral path. And the way you get to adventures, you have to choose to, to follow your curiosity with things that light you up inside. And the way you choose drama is you choose things that look good on the outside <laughs> that society may validate, but it doesn't really feel quite aligned. And so, yeah. um, and then you're, experience in life is the cumulative effect of that. So if you continue doing that over and over and over, your life becomes more chaotic, more dramatic, not necessarily externally. It could be internal drama, internal chaos, which manifests as anxiety, depression, and um, uh, worry, incessant worry, negative self-talk, all of that. And if you choose adventure, it's not neither choice is going to be necessarily comfortable, right? Mm -hmm. But if you choose adventure and doing the things that feel aligned, it's not always going to make sense to other people. It may not even make sense to you a lot of the time, but you'll be living in a, in a state where you don't quite know how things are going to go. Um, but you know, that it's going to work out for the best. And internally the experience is just kind of like that excited, uh, sense of anticipation you know mm -hmm. like wow i wonder what's going to happen tomorrow i wonder how my bills are going to get paid tomorrow i don't know <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you've seen the net appear. <laughs> yeah you see the net appear you know over and over and over so you know it's going to happen usually right when you need it to happen and it's all good yeah it's it's funny we were just talking about this a little bit before i turn on the camera you know after your book Bliss Moore came out. That was where I initially found you. I, I was one of these people that was like super opposed to podcasts. And now I'm talking to you, like I've done over 200 episodes, but my husband would always be listening to podcasts. I'm like, Oh my God, these stupid podcasts and everything in our life was kind of just falling apart in a complete wreck. And he's like, just listen to a podcast. This is a really, a really good one is rich Roll. Just listen to this rich Roll podcast. And I was like, fine, I'll do it. I'll just, I'm so stressed out. Everything is falling apart right now. I will listen to this stupid podcast. And it happened to be you talking with Rich Roll about your, your book, Bliss More. And something in that interview just like hit me just like, 
you know, you, it's hard to just explain that feeling inside. It's like, I think, um, Abraham Hicks calls it like the, the inner ding, you know, <laughs> it just, it vibrates with you and you're like, Oh, something about this just really makes a lot of sense. And I can't explain why, but that mm-hmm. was, I think one of the first times in a really long time that I just said, all right, I got to get this book. I got to check this out. And I remember reading, you know, I had been a yoga teacher for gosh, 10 years at that time. Mm-hmm. And I kind of was just thinking, God, meditation is just so torturous. It's just stupid. <laughs> and you're, you know, you had this experience too, I think too, as a yoga teacher, like you're leading class of people and they're so relaxed and they're so chill. And they're like, thank you for that. And like hugging you. And you're just like, that's great. I'm so glad you feel good, but I'm a stress <laughs> mess. You know, like as soon as you leave, I might break down and cry because things are just so crazy in my life, you know? Um, but at that point I was just willing to try it. I was open to it. And I remember trying the technique that you had in that book and just feeling this like, oh my gosh, I haven't felt this relaxed. And I've been teaching yoga and doing it for all these years you know, I, I just was floored by it and I had to know more and I had to know more. And then I was like, I have to, I have to meet light. <laughs> and, then it, and then it came that, you know, I met Jill who's in town that one of your students and learned the technique from her. And then you came through town and my husband, uh, learned from you and I got to meet you. And it was just this kind of chain of events that started training me almost without knowing I was being trained by doing this practice daily, which is not religious. I know some people are scared of the whole religious thing. It's just a, it's a easy technique. And maybe we could even talk about that. Mm -hmm. Um, it led me to start following that inner, the inner voice so much more. And we call it following charm, right? And I know you Mm -hmm. have a way you explain it in your book as well, but I think that was one of the first times that I've able, I was able to kind of just like turn off the the logical part of my mind of like, no, you need to do this. And then just kind of open up a little bit more. And since then it's like, my life has changed and it keeps changing in just so many amazing, like you met, you met me all those years ago. Would, would you ever have thought I would come to you and say, Hey, I have a, a nine month old baby, right? I have another child. Oh. <laughs> it's, not, it's not the strangest thing in the world, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's great to see you and, and to see how things have evolved yeah. on your end. And, uh, but mainly, you know, I think what we, what we, what we want to strive for is just acceptance of how things are evolving and understanding that all of the different twists and turns that we experience on a daily, weekly, monthly, seasonal basis are part of our growth and evolution. You know, even if it's so-called good things or so-called bad things, we have to go through these things in order to learn, to grow, to expand, to get more present, to become more compassionate, generous, whatever it is that we need. And so there's a conversation happening in the, in the in people who are familiar with wellness lingo and they talk about healed and you want to be healed. And I only want to date someone who's healed and you're, you can find the most healed person in the world, but they still are going to have some rough edges that, that aren't healed. And mm-hmm. guess what? When you attract them into your life, that person is going to, um, it's going to trigger you in certain ways and you're going to trigger them in certain ways that you've probably never been triggered before, or maybe you have been, but you thought it was healed, but guess what? 
there's still some more to go. And that's just how it is on planet Earth. And that's a part of the evolution, evolutionary process. And when you kind of come to terms with that for yourself, you can, you can, you can meet life where it actually is instead of where you want it to be. Because mm-hmm. it's when you look for life to, to show up where you want it to be, that's where you create suffering for yourself. And it, 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 it exaggerates everything that you're experiencing. If it's something good, it makes it more than it probably actually is. If it's something that's bad, it makes it more than it, than it actually is. And that's what can, again, create the kind of drama and chaos that we experience in our life sometimes thinking that it's the other person's fault, but actually it's just our own inability to embrace change. If we, yeah. if we trace the steps upstream enough, we'll, we'll come to a point where we just disconnect it from the moment. <laughs> and we started living a story, start living a fantasy, a delusion around what we want life to be versus what reality actually, actually was. So practices like meditation just it allows us to kind of come back to that moment, to that present moment, so that we can then see what's actually happening and we can make better choices from that point. Yeah, I think that clarity is a really difficult thing for people. And, you know, a lot of people that listen to my show, they are struggling with some sort of a chronic illness or, um, and they're, they're already on this alternative health path, right? So they've already kind of rejected the allopathic, you know, typical medical model. And they're saying, all right, I know that this, way that is super popular that a lot of people are doing is not for me. It's not helping me. I want to go down this more alternative route of looking at health. And I think that maybe things like meditation are kind of last on the list. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's one of the first things I recommend that people start doing, but I feel like it's it's one of those last things. And I even, if I even forget as well, because it's just kind of one of those things that's like, oh, just meditate, right? But I know you've seen over the the course of your teaching career, people that have chronic illnesses and they have these things going on, start a regular meditation practice. And that kind of maybe even opens the door for them to be open to other ideas, open to other ways of doing things, or even allows their nervous system, allows them to release enough stress so that their body can actually start healing. And that was for me being addicted to sleeping pills for 20 years. And I wanted desperately to be off of them. And within six months of doing a regular practice this way, I just one day said, I don't need these anymore. You know, I can, I think I can sleep without these tonight. And I had tried mm-hmm. everything to get off of them, you know, and it's like, people want to know, how'd you get off sleeping pills? What diet did you do? And what, you know, what that did I'm like, actually, that was before I even started playing with diet really. <laughs> You know, and so maybe we could talk about that a little bit of just the path to healing and how something like being open to meditation or some of the other things that you've seen can can possibly help people and how. Yeah, the body, the body knows how to heal itself when it all the conditions that it needs are present. And we have a tendency to to underappreciate the negative impact that stress has on our body. And on our immune system, and and we also um, underappreciate the positive impact that rest can have on the body, on the immune system. And so, um, ironically, lack of rest leads to more stress, and more stress causes 
uh, lack of rest. So it's like a vicious cycle, you know, and that's the beauty of a practice like a daily meditation is that it can, it can disrupt that, that cycle in a very effective way, provided that you know what you're doing. And as we talked about earlier, you know, both of us had very uh, clunky experiences with meditation. Mine were torture-like. Um, sounds like yours weren't that far from that. And and then I I studied with my teacher. And this is, again, I underappreciated the value of studying with a meditation teacher. But that's how people have been learning meditation for literally, literally up until about 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. People who, who learned meditation learned it from a teacher in person. And got supported by that teacher. And then, you know, um, books start to be written about it, starting with Be Here Now, Ram Dass's book. And then uh, people would would learn from books. And then obviously, most recently, apps. People learn from apps through guided experiences. But there's really not a lot of historical precedent for guided meditation. You know, sit with someone in your ear telling you, to envision this and imagine that that's more like a Western um, approach to the ancient practice. The ancient practice is really a silent practice. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is people who rely on guided meditation have a very difficult time with silent practices. People who learn how to master the art of silent meditation have a very difficult time with guided practices. Mm-hmm. So they see the other one, the guided practice as distracting. And I say, if you have to be in one of those two categories, you ideally want to be in the silent category that gets annoyed by guided yeah. <laughs> meditation. Cause that means you can do it anywhere. Whereas if you're only guided, then you need to rely on that device in order for you to be able to feel like you can meditate. So it's kind of like you can only ride a bicycle with training wheels on it. And if you yeah. take the training wheels off, you, you're incapable of riding a bicycle. So, you know, but you can go only go so far with the bicycle with training wheels. You can't really go off road, can't go into other types of terrain. But versus, you know, with meditation, you take those training wheels off. You don't need the guidance anymore. You really learn how to navigate the contours of your mind and steer through your thoughts, which is what you learn and what I learned from my teacher. You become so much more adaptable to whatever's happening around you and you can drop right in in the most chaotic of environments and it's actually a really cool skill set to have you know because it comes with so many other tangible benefits that you can experience outside of meditation such as getting a better quality of of rest when you sleep at night and that's probably the number one benefit i've seen out of people that i've taught to meditate i could tell you story upon story about people who are complete insomniacs vampires all kinds of people come in who never slept through the night and they start meditating. And then right away they start sleeping through the night. And then from there, once the sleep comes back online or the rest, then everything else starts to, it's like dominoes. Your immune system starts to get back balance, your digestive system. You, you asked me if I'd be surprised if you had a kid. Well, your reproduction system starts operating at a higher level of efficiency. And so I used to tell people back in my early days of teaching, just as a kind of a lighthearted comment, I would say, be careful 
about one night stands as a meditator because you're going to be really, you're going to be more fertile than the Mississippi River. (laughs) 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 So people who have been using IVF for many years start meditating and then they find that they can get pregnant without all of that. And obviously there are exceptions and, you know, in everybody's case is exactly the same. And meditation is not a silver bullet. I get all of that, but life, uh, everything else works a lot better if you're, if you're getting more rest and less stress on a daily basis. So that's generally how you want to think about it. Yeah. The sleep thing, like I said, coming off of sleeping pills that I was addicted to for 20 years was like nothing more like shocking, like literally shocking to me because I just was, I would have so much anxiety and I still get anxiety. I mean, I still, I'm not perfect, even though I've been meditating for, you know, five, six years now, which is a lot for me, but little, a tiny bit for somebody like you, you know, and some of my other teachers, um, have been doing it a really long time, but I still get anxiety. But when I do get that anxiety, I can, I can drop in and I can do that anytime, you know, and it's like, then my body can actually rest, which is amazing because when you have anxiety and when you, and this is some, some people with chronic illness, a lot of them, I find that their nervous systems are very, very dysregulated. And I recommend, you know, looking into a somatic practitioner who can help you get back in touch with, um, with your body and help you tap back into present moment, but also you're going to need something like a meditation practice to help you, um, let that stress release from your body, which is what this practice does is the stress release. I mean, that was huge for me, um, in just allowing myself to rest. Um, and I think that's what a lot of people, they want to do everything right. They want to get the diet perfect. They want to get, and I teach circadian rhythms and circadian health. They want to do everything perfect sunrise and then UVA light and then the blue blockers. And then, you know, and they're like, but I still can't sleep. And I'm doing this perfectly. And I'm like, because that's what you're trying to do. Everything perfectly. You have, (laughs) there's got to be a little bit of, um, surrender in there as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even in the meditation practice, we talk a lot about surrender and how, and how you can use the the daily meditation as a sort of simulator for learning how to surrender more in your life. And now that's a bad word though, you know, in our society, surrendering people see that as giving up Mm -hmm. and it's not really about giving up. It's more so about giving in to what is and potentially exploring different types of roots and also relying more on your own awareness and understanding Mm -hmm. that your awareness can provide you with the answer more so than frantically searching for the answer externally. And, And you could also argue that the internal answer is going to be a better answer than any answer you can find externally. So on one hand, yes, getting rest and all the physical benefits are, you know, one of the main reasons why people should at least consider starting a daily meditation practice. But a larger benefit really is an expansion of awareness or consciousness. You'll hear a lot of people in spiritual circles talk about consciousness, this and consciousness, that and cosmic consciousness. And what they're referring to is your awareness, your awareness, your ability to see um, and make connections between things that may have appeared to be unrelated before. And we've all had this, as you, as you get older on planet earth, you start to see, Oh, okay. 
my parent abandoned me. Now I have abandonment issues as a 30 year old or 40 year old. So there's a connection there. And a lot of times it takes an, uh, an objective observer or someone like a therapist to make that connection for you. And maybe they have to sell it to you, right? Maybe you don't believe it at first and you have to read about it in the attachment book and you have to, you have to verify and validate it through all these different resources, but you also have the internal ability to make these connections as well. And those, those connections are literally playing out on a moment to moment basis. And when you're able to see them a lot clearly, a lot more clearly, then it allows you to sort of navigate through whatever's happening right now in a more efficient way versus not seeing those connections. So I'll just give you a very simple generic example. Anybody who's experiencing poor health as an adult has made choices, lifestyle choices, dietary choices, um, emotional you know, choices, being around, being in certain relationships or relationship choices. And if you have enough awareness, you may be able to see, oh, the food that I was eating led to this particular type of experience, which may have served me for part of my life, but now I want to have a child. So I want to switch that up and start to eat a different kind of diet, or I want to um, have a different type of lifestyle that's more conducive to this. But if I don't have that awareness, mm -hmm. then I may still stick to the other thing because it's comfortable. It's a habit. I'm used to it. Better the devil, you know, not thinking that it has an impact on the ultimate objective that I, that I have. So when I grew up, you know, my parents are wonderful people, very nice, very generous, kind-hearted, all the things, but they didn't know anything about diet. And so we, we grew up eating fast food, washing it down with soda every night, every single night. In fact, if we didn't have fast food, something was wrong. Like I was like, what's going on? <laughs> so our primary objective or our, our priorities with eating were, were cost. Is it, is it inexpensive? Mm -hmm. Taste. Does it taste good? And do I get full from it? That was it. There was no consideration to nutrition, to energy, to um, is this what my body needs right now? None of that was was considered at all. So that was the way I ate for the first 20 something years of my life. And then it wasn't until I had a, um, a I had a, this sort of random interaction with this person in, in Miami who said I, I should stop eating meat. Um, and I decided to try it out. And I started to notice, hey, you know, that daily headache that I normally get and I take two extra strength, et cetera, for before I get it, because I knew it was going to come at some point. I don't get that headache anymore. And the only thing that's changed is I stopped eating all this fast food. Mm -hmm. and I stopped drinking all this soda, eating all this mm -hmm. sugar. That was the only thing that changed. And it was remarkable. I literally would carry around large bottles of extra strength, uh, et cetera, for the headache I knew was coming. And it's mm -hmm. and it literally and it just stopped once I changed my diet a little bit. So that that got my attention. And I started doing more research on myself, seeing what happens if I stop eating this, what happens if I stop drinking that. And then I started reading more about the impact that diet has. And then next thing you know, I'm like full on vegetarian a few years later. And I do that for 
many, many years. And then I said, you know what? I never really considered um, what it was like to have grass fed protein. Mm-hmm. So let me introduce a little bit of that into my diet. And so it's an ever evolving process. Like the vegetarian stuff was great because it kind of opened my mind to things yeah. I never would have had before vegetables, fruits. And, um, but it wasn't a thing that I wanted to, that I, I, although I thought I would do it indefinitely at a certain point, it just didn't make as much sense anymore. So I, I kind of had to pivot mm-hmm. and maybe I'll go back to it at some point. I don't know. But that was an experience that taught me that nothing is going to last forever. So don't, mm-hmm. don't, A, don't get too committed to something thinking it's going to last forever. B, don't try to go in and, and, and convert other people as though you are the authority <laughs> over whatever they're doing, because maybe whatever they're doing is serving them. It, right. It's either serving them in a positive way or it's giving them a great point of reference like I had growing up. That when they finally do decide to pivot on their own, which is the only way change truly happens, then they'll see, oh, I don't get the headache. Oh, I can sleep better. Oh, this other thing is happening. And so it's all it's all great. And just, you know, again, presence. We just yeah. want that presence as a as a way of kind of tuning into, okay, what is what do I need right now? And let right. me start to to move in that direction. Yeah, I think it, a lot of people just can get caught up in the diet cult mentality. I mean, I did as a yoga teacher, I did vegan um, for, I did vegetarian first. And then I was like, let me just go all the way vegan. I'm a yoga teacher. And that's really when I started having a lot of gut issues because I was eating a lot of lentils, a lot of beans, and my body couldn't digest it. it I wasn't absorbing a lot of nutrients. And so I wanted to stay vegan. <laughs> I really wanted to. And I was in a five-day pranayam training. And my my teacher, who I respected, he's Kripalu trained, been teaching over 20 years. He's like, hey, <laughs> I don't think the vegan thing's working out for you because you're you're not looking so healthy. I'm I'm a little worried about you. And it took, you know, it was like an, the opposite is like he's like, I think you need to try to have some eggs, maybe, or just a little bit, a little bit of chicken or something, you know, and that, then I started feeling better, you know, just getting that. Cause I wasn't absorbing the nutrients from my food. And, but I was so bought into like, I have to be this like yoga teacher. I have to, you know, I have to stick to that. And then kind of the same thing happened to me doing carnivore it was like, I have a carnivore channel, you know, I'm, I'm all into carnivore and then I'm trying to get pregnant and my thyroid wasn't optimal. And it's like, okay, I got to eat plants. But because I think because I have these practices, we talk about adaptation energy a lot and being more adaptable to life and not being so stuck and hell bent on fitting a certain personality or being, you know, a certain, certain thing because life is life is changing. It'll ask us to change. And so I think that, that having that foundation was helpful for me, but I still see people in both camps, you know, where they're just stuck to a dietary dogma that's clearly not really working for them, but they're just so like stuck on it that they can't shift, they can't adapt. Thank you so much for watching today's episode with Light Watkins. Make sure you go down into the show notes, grab his brand new book, I think you're really going to enjoy it. He always has so much wisdom and so many wonderful things to say. If you are enjoying this episode, make sure you hit the like button and just leave us a quick comment. If you have a time, it will help to boost this episode out. I have a feeling it's again, not going to be one of my most popular episodes, but 
I want to talk about these things because I think that they can really, really help people as they go through, especially if they're trying to do something like reverse leptin resistance. We have to work on that stress element. So check his book out in the comments. And then as a listener of the show, you can always save 10% on any of my courses using the code podcast. So those will be in the show notes and get my free resources. If you don't have those already, your guide to building your perfect quantum day linked in the show notes. All right. Thank you again for watching, listening, whichever you're doing. And let's jump back into the show. Yeah. And it can also be more than that too. It could be something in their lifestyle. They're in a relationship that's sucking their soul. And I think that's bigger. (laughs) Yeah. That's even bigger than diet. Yeah. They're in a job that no longer feels aligned or, you know, um, they have a belief system about the world that doesn't really match up with their direct experience. So it all deserves to be looked at. And that's, that's again, coming back to, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but coming back to the meditation. Yeah. Meditation is like, you know, how Wonder Woman has her lasso and the lasso's power is to, do you know what the passive power of Wonder Woman's lasso is? Yeah. She kind of can do anything th- with that thing, right? It's, you know, it, it, it's, um, it's, it's, you can't lie when you're, when you've been uh, ah. lassoed, you have to tell okay. the truth. So it forces you to tell the truth about something. And meditation is like that. It's a truth serum. Meditation mm-hmm. is a truth serum. It's really hard to bullshit yourself. You've been meditating for two or three years. <laughs> you can't keep bullshitting yourself like a lot of people do going to this job that they hate or yeah. being in this relationship that they hate or, you know, having a relationship with themselves that they hate. You have to do something about it at a mm-hmm. certain point. And that's what I love about it. So it kind of forces honest conversations with yourself first and then ultimately with other people. And, you know, that's where things start to get corrected is through just this, this, this very honest analysis of, okay, I've been making these choices. They're clearly not working out for me anymore. Again, maybe at one point they were great, fantastic. Things have shifted. And now, you know, there's a new understanding and you have to acknowledge that, or you have to acknowledge, Hey, I've been telling myself this old outdated story about this thing. And, and I, it just deserves some more attention. And it doesn't mean I'm not, I'm not advocating for breaking up with your partner or quitting your job, but it could be that it's time to relate to that person or relate to that job differently than you've been relating to it before. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, that's where we start to see change. There is no overnight change. Mm -hmm. There's no, just like there's no overnight disease. There's no overnight change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A disease or an illness that we experience happens from thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of choices of what you were eating, what you were consuming, who you were around, Mm -hmm. what you were exposing yourself to. And then finally it manifested itself physically. So if you want to change any of that, then you got to start making different choices about all of those same things. And it's going to take another hundreds or perhaps thousands upon thousands of choices, little by little, bit by bit to start to make your way out of the forest and into the clear. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the diet is like the low hanging fruit, the thing everybody goes for first. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, wait a second, there's so much, there's so much more work I have to do here. Um, You're not taking care of your stress. You could be eating the cleanest gluten-free, you know, organic, 
farm, uh, pasture raised, free range, whatever it is, and your body's going to treat it like McDonald's. Yeah. Because that's what stress does. Stress shuts mm-hmm. down the digestive capabilities and the ability to absorb minerals and nutrients from high quality food because it takes too much energy to run away from tigers, bears, and lions, which is what your body thinks is happening. So that energy is better allocated to getting you into fight flight mode than helping you metabolize whatever salad you just ate. So if you want to get all of that optimized, you got to get rid of the stress first then the body will naturally take care of the other stuff. I, oh gosh, I couldn't agree with you more on that. And that can be one of the most frustrating things because I do try to help people. I have a lot of courses that I even have a fertility course with my partner. Her name's Carrie Bennett. And um, we used to have on week six module, it was the quantum fertility mindset. And there was, you know, we had these videos talking about shifting your mindset and Carrie is also a Vedic meditator as well. She learned actually right before her and I first connected in, in, um, I think 2021, she had just learned. And so we kind of see eye to eye on this and, uh, we she learned with me or, or with Jill or who she learned with? She's in Michigan. So I'm not sure who she learned from up mm. there in Michigan. Detroit? Uh, yep. Yeah. Probably, Ju- probably from Julie. Julie teaches in Detroit. I'll have to ask her. Yeah. Um, but it's cool. She's, you know, she's my partner and we're helping women that are struggling with fertility. And we used to have that as week six, you mm-hmm. know, but now we we actually shifted it to week one out of six weeks because we realized that. Yeah, you can do all the stuff that we talk about in this course, but if you don't get this piece down with the mindset, with the stress, with the meditation, it's going to be really difficult for your body to make those changes. And that's kind of where I got with my fertility journey. It was like, all right, I'm doing all this great stuff. It's helping. I'm feeling better. Looked the best. I was in the best shape of my life before I got pregnant because I was doing all these great things for myself, but it wasn't until I was taking the time to make sure my meditation was on point and then spending, I would literally like sit in bed after my meditation and just like pretend to hold a baby. Like that's what I would do every night before bed. And every morning when I woke up, I would meditate and then pretend I was like holding this baby and feel it and have all those emotions that I was, that I had the baby that he was already here. And I knew it was a boy the whole time. And that, then it, right when I started doing that, the next month I got that positive pregnancy test. And I was like, Mm. I wonder if I could have made that happen a little faster (laughs) if I had done this first, you know, because it's, it's one of those things. Like I talk about circadian rhythms and circadian health and the power of the light signals that we feed, you know, our brains and our bodies and the retina and people are like, too easy. Right. I feel like meditation is one of those things that people just are like, yeah, yeah. I'll just, I'll, I'll get to that. But what? It's an what extracurricular activity, right? Yeah. Like, what do I eat? What do I need? To, okay. I'll, I'll jump in thirty degree cold water. Okay, I'll do cold plunging. I'll do this. But meditate. Why is it not fixing me? <laughs> why? Yeah. No. And I get why am I not losing weight? Why am I not healing? I'm doing everything, and I'm like. <sighs> Because your nervous system is locked, you know, like, yeah. Yeah, I know the feeling. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, you know, there, I tell my friend all the time, he's, he's in, he's actually a a nutrition coach. And I said, yeah, we, we pick the worst 
businesses in the Western world <laughs> to be yeah. a part of because we're in the root cause business mm-hmm. and the Band-Aid guys are making all the money, <laughs> you know, yeah. do this thing real quick. Um, and you can, you can get six pack abs in a week and all this kind of nonsense. And it's just like, no, we're, we're actually trying to get people to change like long held habits. And yep. with meditation, it's the habit of distracting yourself that needs to get disrupted with sitting down. And that's why people don't want to do it. They we're so addicted to distraction mm-hmm. and doing something all the time mm-hmm. because we've equated doing with success. Mm -hmm. Right. That's what society has indoctrinated us to believe. If you're not doing something, you're just sitting around watching TV, playing video games, watching Netflix or anything like that, then you're lazy. Watching reels, TikTok. Yeah. Taking naps, doing, you know, going outside, uh, walking around with no goal in mind you know, staring at the clouds, you're, what are you doing? You're (laughs) you're lazy. You should be working and grinding and hustling, working on your first million, your first company, your first exit and all these kinds of things. If you're not doing that, then you're behind. And so we have all, I have a little bit of that too, you know, here I've been meditating for 20 something years and it's still there, but you know, you can recognize it for what it is and say, okay, this is, um, this is not real. This, right. this feeling that I have to be on this treadmill and keep up with everybody else, it's not real. So let me just stop for a moment and just sit down and close my eyes and just take a take a beat to get back into myself, get grounded, get centered. And it's amazing because from there, when you come out of that, um, you can see, again, you can see things a lot more clearly. And it's like what Einstein said. He said, you can't solve a problem from the same oh, step yeah. level of consciousness that created the problem. In fact, you could argue that thinking you have a problem is a function of a certain state of consciousness. It's a narrow state of consciousness, thinking you have this problem. When you expand beyond that, you don't have the problem. It's like a child, you know, as you'll, as you'll see when your child starts talking, they're going to have these life or death moments. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My friend said, I just, I'm sorry I'm late. Uh, we, it took me 30 minutes watching my five-year-old go through all five stages of grief over putting on a pair of pants, you know, (laughs) but how many adults treat life like that? Like Mm -hmm. they take little things and they blow them up into these massive problems. It's like, it's not really a problem. It's just going to take you. Maybe it's not going to happen in the way you thought it was supposed to happen, or it's not going to happen in the time Mm -hmm. that you wanted it to happen in. And when you kind of are able to adapt to that, then your problem goes away. But you have to expand consciousness beyond just thinking about thinking in terms of what led to that so-called problem yep. in order to see all of the different alternate ways of doing this and the, and the potential solutions to your problem. And so that's what meditation gives us. We come out of that and then we're able to go back into life as better versions of ourselves. And that's where, you know, that's where the gold, the gold is. That's where the good stuff happens. Yeah. And so let's talk a little bit about, cause I know people are like, okay, great. I get it. We need to be meditating. It's a good thing to do. <laughs> let's talk about why. And I'll just talk about my experience. Like I kind of did a little bit earlier with meditation when someone would even mention the word meditation, I would, and, and it didn't involve me listening to something in my headphones that was guided. <laughs> I would literally think I would really rather staple my face to a wall than try to sit and like 
meditate for five minutes. And if you would have told me, no, you're going to be able to meditate for 20 minutes twice a day. And it's not going to, and you're going to want to do it. And you're going to feel, you're going to look forward to it. I would have said you're out of your freaking mind, like no way. (laughs) So maybe we can talk to people a little bit about that um, as well. Yeah, that was, uh, that was my experience as well is I went from two minutes of meditation was absolute. I felt like I was being waterboarded and went from there to waking up excited about meditating. And, you know, the thing, the big takeaway from my initial training with my teacher was this idea of not going to battle with your mind, which again, we've heard before, you know, people say, Mm -hmm. notice your thoughts, let go of, you know, your expectations and all these kinds of things. And it sounds wonderful, but it's still hard to actually embody. And um, that was something that I really appreciated being exposed to was like a, it's kind of like a technique. You can call it a technique for Mm -hmm. understanding how to meditate in concert with the thinking mind. And it obviously uses a mantra. Everyone has like a personalized mantra. And so the mantra becomes a bit of an anchor for the mind to go from the surface level of awareness where you're essentially hyper aware of all of those thousands upon thousands of thoughts. And it sort of drops you down. I would say it's actually less like an anchor. It's more like a weight belt. If you've ever been scuba diving before, you have to wear these weight belts because you don't, you, your body naturally is buoyant in the mm-hmm. water. Mm-hmm. So you need something a little heavier to get you to, to drop down towards the bottom of the ocean. And that's what the weight belts are used for. And, and then when you get ready to go back up, you, you take the weights off and you can just float right back up or you can float back up with your breathing. If you're using enough, uh, energy in your breath. So, but yeah, that's kind of what the mantra's job is, is to, 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 to steer you away from that surface level of awareness down into the, the depths of your awareness. And then the irony there is that when you start to go deeper and deeper, you have fewer and fewer thoughts, you have less and less awareness. And so the time starts to go faster and faster and it makes the meditation experience feel better and better. And, uh, but you'll never know that you're there while you're there because there's not enough awareness to, to let you know that you're there, but that's also a good thing because that's what causes the experience to go by really fast. And then you come out and you feel like you just took a three hour nap, even though it's just been a 20 minute meditation, which is again, very remarkable compared to my old experiences of sitting there (laughs) staring at the back of my eyelids, peeking at the clock, one minute felt like an hour, you know, and it's like, wow, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I thought I kind of knew what I was doing, but turned out I was, it was a case of the blind leading the blind because the people who were teaching me didn't know what the hell they were doing either. And when I finally found someone who did know what he was doing, that's when, when everything changed. Yeah. And it's just going back to the mantra. It's not um, like, I think a lot of people are scared. It's religious or it's, it's, it's none of that. It's like kind of like a sound, right? It's um, that I think it vibrates in your body after you've kind of, you say it and you kind of let go of it. You're not like intentionally sitting there like, 
mantra, 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 you know, like you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's a way and a technique to doing that as well. Cause you don't want to just like have it like clutching onto it. And that's kind of what your whole body does is it kind of just like, ah, okay. I can let go of this. Yeah. The whole thing is like this beautiful dance, you know, between your mind and whatever else is happening and sleep and thoughts, noises and distractions. and, And so the mantras is there as a, Again, it's like just a navigational thing, just telling you to do less, do least, do nothing. And then eventually the mantra can even go away and you're not aware of that either. So my mantra is probably like all jacked up. Like (laughs) I've gotten, I got a new one when I was in Bali with Teo and I'm sure that I am not even saying like the right thing because while I was in Bali, like I was all freaked out. I'm like, okay. I don't think I know my mantra and I kept having these like mantra checks and I'm like, now it's all these years later, that was in 2019. And I was just thinking the other day, I'm like, I'm probably just not even saying anything close to like, or, you know, like that's what's supposed to happen. Your mantra is going to change and and shift and transform to match you. Yeah. So, you know, people think, Oh, you know, there's only a certain number of mantras. Yes, that's true. There are only a certain, just like there are a certain number of shoe sizes in the world, right? So everyone's feet, all 8 billion of us, our feet mostly fit into one of those however many, you know, couple dozen shoe sizes. But no two shoes are going to fit exactly alike after wearing them for three years. You know, if two people wear the same style shoe, for three years, and then they accidentally put on each other's shoes, you're going to know right away, these are not my shoes. And the mantra is kind of like that too. Using the mantra over years and years causes it to kind of shape to the user. And so it's going to sound a little different from for you than it is for someone else who may have the same mantra from however long ago, you know, so it's, it, that's by design actually. So you want it to get to a point where you don't recognize it. That means it's actually working better. Yeah. But it needs to start in the place where it's, it starts. You can't start right. off with it sound, <laughs> sounding crazy and then expecting it to, to be effective. Yeah. And I had one other question. So I don't know if you're familiar at all with um, doc, the work of Dr. Gerald Pollack and kind of the fourth phase of water. Um, so that's kind of what I, I talk about. It's uh, I re- highly recommend getting this book if you want to learn some stuff about structured water. Um, the fourth phase of water by Dr. Gerald Pollack. I'm gonna write this down. The four phase phase of water. Okay. The fourth phase of water. Got yep. it. So let me tell you where I'm going with this because I want to know your I've been thinking about this since I've been studying all of this. So we have in our body, you know, we're 99% water molecule. Everyone's like, oh, we're 70% water. I'm like, actually, we're 99% water molecule. Like, so every cell in our body is surrounded by water and it has it has like a negative charge, right? So what the mantra does, and it have, have you worked, looked at the work of um, Masaru Emoto at all? Yeah, I talked about him in Bliss More. Okay, yes. Okay, so you know how our body is 99% water molecule. Mm-hmm. So I think if when we're doing this, when we're saying this mantra, it's also helping to structure the water within our bodies, right? So when the water is structured, it's healthy and there's communication happens in the body at the speed of light. We're, we're so like stuck on this, um, this biochemical model of the body and getting blood tests and lab tests for that, but we can shift and we can change because of this water network in the body like that. And, um, 
Veda Austin is another person who's doing beautiful work right now around water. I think you would love her work. Um, we did like a two and a half hour interview and she showed me all these slides from her book and her work is replicated now. She could, she's actually able to have people replicate her work around the world in a Petri dish. So she'll mm -hmm. take a Petri dish of water and either write something underneath it, like love, or even have a thought and then freeze it. She has this freezing method and she's able to, she's having people replicate it and you can actually transfer consciousness into this water and have it, it freeze. And it look like the, per, you know, look like the thing that you've either written the word um, or you've had the thought. I mean, it's just fascinating. And I'm thinking like, how does this mantra kind of maybe adding to that ability of the water inside of our body to structure? And then this kind of more of a coherent healing on that cellular level happening that much faster. Like I, it's just kind of made me think about it the last few days, right? Yeah, I mean, I actually use Emoto's water experiments as an, as an example of how the mantra works with the body and uses vibration and frequency. I mean, we don't have probably a lot of time to get into it, but everything is frequency. Everything is vibrating all the time. And so there's this law of resonance and it's kind of the same thing. I'm, we'll, we'll stay away from that because people have dis dismissed Emoto's work as uh as um well veda's been able science. to veda's been able to actually quantify it and now the top water scientists around the world are listening to her i mean it's yeah it's really fascinating stuff but something that that can easily be verified by you know anyone with the right equipment is if you have two musical instruments in the same room and you pluck the e chord of the guitar the e chord of the other instrument is going to vibrate mm. without anybody touching it and only the E chord. And so there's that, you know, there's that symbiotic resonance that happens when certain frequencies are in play. And, this, and that's what the mantra was first discovered to be able to do was it can, um, it can uh, activate the frequency for deep relaxation in the mind and the body when it's being used in the right way, when it's being used in a passive way, not in an active way. And that's the real difference when people talk about, you know, you have a mantra, oh, so it's mantra meditation. So you chant the mantra. If you chant the mantra, it's not going to work in the mm -hmm. same way. Mm -hmm. So that's, again, that's part of the art of it. And that's what you learned in the, and that's what, again, that's what changed everything for me. My whole relationship with meditation is that I learned to stop doing so much. I was doing too much in meditation. And that's 90% of the reason why it felt so difficult. Yep. I agree. And that's kind of the theme of the new book that you've got out is just travel light, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe we can talk about that a little bit. Cause I feel like I could probably talk to you another hour, but I know you're, you're a busy person. So let's talk a little bit about your book so people can, can go out and get that. Well, travel light, the subtitle is spiritual minimalism to live a more fulfilled life. So it's minimalism from the inside out, not from, let me clear out the, the living room and the closets and under the bed. And hopefully I'll feel a sense of Zen. <laughs> That's not how Zen works. You can have the most sparse living room and organize closets and still feel miserable if you felt miserable before. So what 
travel light is in, is helping people do and i have a minimalist approach to meditation in there which is again doing less doing least and ultimately doing nothing is to cultivate fulfillment and spaciousness inside to let go of the internal clutter the emotional baggage and then from there you expand your consciousness and you're able to do less and accomplish more i love it I love it. Well, I'll make sure I have that linked down in the show notes for everybody. And if they want to follow you, you've got a really awesome Instagram page. How, what is it? It's Light Watkins, right? Just Yeah, my name, Light Watkins. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you, Light. This has been really awesome. I'm so excited to get the email to reconnect. And Absolutely. Yeah. I'm so glad we were able to make this happen. And I look forward to seeing you again in person at some point soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode with my friend and teacher, Light Watkins. It was such an honor to have him here on the show after knowing him for all these years and just enjoying this style of meditation that's really done a lot for me in my life and helping me manage stress, having a special needs child with a lot of medical issues and a new baby. It's a lot, a lot going on. So having a practice like this has been very, very instrumental to me and my husband as well. I really appreciate Light and all the work that he does. I wanted to thank you one more time for listening to today's episode. Check out those sponsors, Viva Rays, for those circadian glasses. Another great way to cut down on your cortisol is making sure you're blocking artificial light at night. So check out Viva Rays to help you accomplish that with the glasses or using their eye mask and upgraded formulas, code Yogi12 or Yogi to save there on their hair tissue mineral analysis with a consultation or any of their mineral supplements. Thanks again for listening to today's show. Leave me that review over on Apple or Spotify. If it is on your heart, it would very much help. And I look forward to talking with you again soon.